This is Patrick Verrill, and today I am speaking with Harold Takushian, a professor of psychology here at Fordham. Now let's start with the case of Kitty Genovese, whose death in 1965 first alerted people to what became known as the bystander effect. The original reporting by the New York Times that her death was witnessed by 38 witnesses who did nothing was debunked a long time ago, but the story still resonated as sort of a parable about the callousness of urban living. Can you tell me why that is? The issue of what is the relationship between people is as old as civilization. How should strangers react uh, if to each other's misfortune? In fact, it goes back to scripture. The, in Genesis, uh, Cain told uh, the Lord, uh, am I my brother's keeper? Why am I responsible for other people's welfare? In a way, you could judge a civilization by how people uh, care about each other. And that's, uh, that's very part and parcel of the bystander effect. If I may, I would share with you two stories that I think make the point. Uh, these are both true stories. One goes back about 50 years, but uh, when I first heard it, the hair stood on my uh, back of my head. Uh, there were two teenage boys riding their bicycles next to a river, and they heard some screams. And one of them saw somebody in the river going down and, and obviously needed help. The two boys didn't turn their back. One of them got off his bicycle. He swam to the person who was screaming. He grabbed the person. He brought the person to the shore, and he discovered that it was his mother. Uh, just such an inspiring story. Uh, the other story I would share with you is not that inspiring. It happened in July, July 12th, I believe, uh, in Florida, Cocoa, Florida. A black man was uh, drowning and for some reason he couldn't save himself and he was drowning for several minutes and meanwhile fortunately there were five teenagers there watching this but unfortunately those five teenagers not only didn't help the black man but they started shouting uh, uh, taunts at him and they even videotaped part of his drowning and he died and of course people were upset including his sister who said why on earth didn't these people save my brother but the sad fact is they weren't accused of any crime and they could have saved somebody that they didn't save. And that is so uh, emblematic of the Kitty Genovese situation that occurred here in New York. Mm -hmm. The same thing 52 years later. The bystander effect, as I understand it, it it's, it's not so much about uh, the result of a person's damaged moral compass as it is about confusion and chaos <laughs> that comes from living in crowded spaces. So the theory is, if I'm alone and I witness a crime, I'm more likely to respond to it than if I'm surrounded by others, because it's hard to know who in the group will act first. The bystander effect is uh, a group phenomenon. And frankly, the boys are an example of the bystander effect. They weren't accused of any crime, but th that didn't mean they didn't feel bad. It was a group phenomenon where they saw each other laughing about it, and they redefined the situation. So it's not that they were immoral, but it's that the group takes over. Uh, if I could uh, summarize the bystander effect in one sentence, the more people at the scene of a tragedy, the less likely anyone will intervene. We call it diffusion of responsibility. And the reason for this is that uh, people see each other in, inactive, and they give each other false information that it's not really a, a problem. There's no real crisis there. Uh, Katie Genovese, on March 13, 1964, was screaming for her life. Oh my God, he stabbed me. Please help me. It was very clear what was happening, but people seeing this also saw each other. 
They saw each other doing nothing. And as a result, from her point of view, they were ignoring her screams. But from their point of view, they were simply reacting normally to the group phenomenon. They're not doing anything. She doesn't really need help or somebody else will help her. So the bystander effect, uh, as you say, takes the morality out of the situation. And of course, the antidote to the bystander effect is to tell people what to do when they see a crisis, to uh, not be uh, uh, fooled by, uh, by the situation. I want to share something with you that's a little off script, but I think is related to this. Many years ago, I went to London with my then-girlfriend, and we were wandering through Piccadilly Circus, which is a lot like Times Square, and we saw a crowd of people gathered around in front of, uh, I think it was a hotel, and we thought, oh, it must be like a street performance or something like that. And what we saw was it was two men actually beating uh, uh, wow. another man very savagely. And in fact, wow. one of the guys picked up a street sign that had been on like a heavy weight and flipped it upside down and tried to use the weight as a hammer. Remarkable. In, the, in, the, in broad daylight. And the giant crowd of people stood around kind of with their jaws slack. And we, of course, did the exact same thing. And I remember very vividly that my girlfriend at the time grabbed me by the arm and just said, do something. And my thought was, do what? It was a really jarring experience and to see this group just frozen, you know, just kind of not believing what they were actually seeing. I feel like I was a part of basically what this thing is, this bystander effect. That's a very powerful example of the bystander effect. And I would mention two things uh, related to what you just said, that very powerful um, experience you had. One is that it occurs all the time. The The importance of the Kitty Genovese tragedy is that it opened our eyes to this. We didn't see it before, but as soon as the Genovese tragedy was identified by the journalist A.M. Rosenthal, we see it now all the time, and um, my phone constantly rings uh, about talking about how the Genovese incident relates to these remarkable events that we see that defy explanation, like what you said, people just standing there watching, frozen. Uh, the second thing, though, is those two fellows didn't stop. They weren't embarrassed by the crowd. My impression is that criminals in general know the secret. They know this. They know that people don't intervene. And they almost rely on it. And unfortunately, that's what happened with Kitty Genovese, that uh, monster who killed her, knew the secret. In fact, uh, it's... Uh, the chief of detectives, Albert Seidman, in 1964, was so surprised when he heard about the Genovese incident that there were so many witnesses who didn't intervene that he personally, the chief of detectives, personally interviewed the criminal. And he said to the criminal, how did you keep attacking this woman with all these people watching you? And the criminal told him, I knew they wouldn't do anything. People never do. Uh, which is why your, your experience is so powerful. It's the same thing years later in a different country. This is a case that goes back to 1965, and New York City was on its way to becoming a much more dangerous place. And I wonder, is it still relevant today in a place like New York City where crime is much, much, much lower? This question comes up all the time. Have things changed since 1964? And uh, the answer is we can't give evidence. We've done research, but uh, we haven't done the time series that really is essential. The second thing, though, is 9-11. The city changed in 2001. If you were here at that time, you may remember that you could see it. People, there were restaurants that were open, f uh, f 
feeding people for free right after 9-11. For a few months, uh, people were just in a different zone. I would say that since 2001 in New York City, people have become more conscious of their community, more helpful. And uh, we have done research that uh, shows this. We do get higher rates now of helping than we had uh, in the 1980s and 90s. Uh, so things have changed, but I can't be too more precise than that. How has the understanding of this phenomenon changed over the years? Is there, for instance, an agreement on when it sort of kicks in? Uh, the bystander uh, effect is pretty complex. The key ingredient seems to be not the relation of the observers with the victim, but the observers with each other. Uh, the more observers, the less likely someone will help. So there's no cutoff point there. Uh, you could have just one observer who doesn't help. You could have 30 observers who all help at once, <laughs> which happens also, the vigilantism. But uh, it seems like ambiguity is the key thing. Second to ambiguity is the belief that I shouldn't get involved. Uh, in our survey, we found uh, on what we call duty to aid laws. Should the law encourage bystanders to intervene if they could do so? Almost every country in the world has a duty to aid law that says if you see a crisis, you should intervene. You're expected to intervene. Uh, the U.S. is not one of these nations. About 18% of people feel that a person should not intervene when they see a crisis because they'll only add to it. But 82% of people support in the United States support a duty to aid law. They feel you should get involved. Uh, this is a very interesting area for me because I'm constantly surprised by people's ration, uh, reasoning when it comes to what they should do if they see a crisis. You talked about uh, this idea that these, these, these laws that dictate around the world that you have a duty to administer aid if you see a crisis, that these laws do not in generally be found here in the United States. Is this a uniquely American phenomenon? No, English-speaking countries value freedom, and the ACLU considers this an infringement on freedom. The history of America is not individualism, it's communitarianism. De Tocqueville, when he visited the, the USA in the 1840s, said America is great because America is good. People help each other. So the idea of uh, helping one another is a very American idea. It shouldn't be fought. Uh, other countries have these laws, and they are effective. Uh, people should be expected to intervene. And the law sets the tone. This is the kind of research I'm doing now. If something is illegal, it's more likely to be judged immoral. So it's unfortunate we don't have duty-to-aid laws. Nobody's going to uh, force somebody to intervene if they don't want to, but people should know that, like the Genovese witnesses, they should know that when they see something, the government expects them to call the authorities. England is another country that has no duty-to-aid law, and you saw yourself there what, what the tone was. <laughs> yeah, yeah Duty-to-aid laws make a difference.